Greetings, friends. I'm John Haspel. This is a Dhamma talk from Cross River Meditation Center in Frenchtown, New Jersey. If you find benefit from this talk, please support the restoration, the preservation, and the presentation of the Buddha's Dhamma with your donation at becoming-buddha.com. Thank you. Peace. Next to last part of this retreat, uh, I do want to thank the teachers who have gone before me here uh, to set this up. It's all been just brilliant, um, <clears throat> and it's an honor to go out here. So. <clears throat> At the end of the teaching on the four foundations of mindfulness, the Buddha makes this promise <coughs> that if we practice diligently, then <clears throat> Awakening is pretty much a done deal if we practice diligently. <clears throat> and this teaching on the seventh faculty of awakening gives us an insight in how this process of awakening actually works in a practice. And <clears throat> just as um, dependent origination <clears throat> is driven by increasingly complex eye making. Awakening is driven, aided by <clears throat> increasingly refined mindfulness. <clears throat> the Buddhist words. The seven factors for awakening and how are the four foundations of mindfulness appropriately, appropriately developed so as to bring the seven factors of awakening to their culmination. Whenever a monk remains focused on the body, free of distraction, ardent, alert, mindful, while putting aside craving distress with reference to the world, their mindfulness is steady and continuous. <clears throat> and this steadiness and con continuity isn't just on the cushion. 
this is a steady and continuous mindfulness in the other 118 hours of the week. We bring it into our life, and this is the majority of our practice. Buddhist words. When mindfulness is steady and continuous, then mindfulness as a factor for awakening becomes directed. We can now direct it towards awakening. When mindfulness is steady and continuous, it forms the foundation for the culmination of its development. So this is the development of mindfulness as a, as a, a steady progression. <clears throat> Remaining mindful this way, they examine mindfulness, the quality of mindfulness. With discernment, with right view, they develop an understanding of this quality of mindfulness. So this goes to the fourth foundation, the quality of mind and quality of mindfulness. Look at it. See what it does for you. See where the <clears throat> small hindrances are popping up. Keep focus on this mindfulness because this is your this is your primary tool in your in your practice. It's your primary tool in jhana when we bring mindfulness to the fore. When we set this mindfulness right here, that is the, the driving factor of, of our quest for concentration. <clears throat> But it's also the driving force in how we practice the mindfulness, which is basically the continuous mindfulness of all eight factors of the Eightfold Path. With discernment, they develop an understanding of this quality of mindfulness. When one remains mindful in this way, examining and developing understanding of this quality of mindfulness with discernment, then mindfulness of certain qualities as a factor for awakening arises. So we're getting an understanding of how this mindfulness is actually helping us in our This is how right mindfulness is established as a factor, as a quality of awakening. <clears throat> when one examines and come to a comprehension of mindfulness as a factor of awakening, then with discernment, investigation of the Dharma arises. 
investigation of the Dharma is one of those factors <clears throat> that arise fairly early in your practice. You're starting to see how this mindfulness is, is paying off, how it's actually helping your, your practice, how it's helping your life, how you become more calm, more concentrated, how you're able to deal with your hindrances. And as you're coming to class, as you're listening to classes on your computer, whatever you're listening to, <clears throat> you naturally become curious. Why is this so effective? What is it, you know, and you're, but you're looking at, at a whole bunch of lists sometimes fairly complex things. But seeing your practice being effective, you can't help this, at least I couldn't help but thinking, why is this stuff so good? You know, where, where, and, and, and my thing is then, you know, where are the gaps, you know? What did, what did they not say, you know? Because uh, I've been in lots of practices where, um, <clears throat> It looked pretty good on the uh, on the outside, but as you start digging, as you you know kick the foundation a little bit, stuff starts falling down. And <clears throat> as John can tell us, um, I did a lot of that in the beginning. A lot of a lot of uh, foundation kicking. Uh, yeah, yeah, you know, and I, I I thought I had a lot of knowledge, you know, on, on the subject. Uh, so, um, <clears throat> and I started, you know, um, reading suits myself. Um, but it's, uh, I didn't know it at that time, but this is one of the factors that keeps you going. You know, use your your curiosity, you know, test this stuff. You know, don't just take it on on, uh, on faith. This is to be examined. It, it's it's part of the process. He's, he's telling it right now. Yeah, test this stuff, you know. Look at it. Uh, watch what's going on and um, try and get a deeper understanding of the teachings themselves. When investigation of the Dharma arises in one who examines and comes to a comprehension of that quality with discernment, then investigation of the Dharma arising as a factor of awakening becomes aroused. We're now getting an understanding of why and how the Dharma works. 
which makes it easier for your mind. Makes it easier to stay, to keep your mindfulness on the Dhamma. This is how investigation of the Dhamma is established as a factor of quality of awakening. When one who examines and comes to comprehension of the of investigation of the Dharma arising as a factor of awakening with discernment, persevering effort arises. So as a natural consequence of, of this focused curiosity, this focused investigation. it becomes easier to apply your effort, to keep that right effort to the fore. Because now you know why you're doing it. It's not just that you're plugging into it. It's, it's, a, it's a directed effort. And the whole effort thing, <clears throat> frankly, becomes easier. It's a no-brainer. When persevering effort arises in one who examines, analyzes, and comes to comprehension of that quality with discernment, then persevering effort arising as a factor of awakening becomes aroused. And this is how persevering effort is established as a fact of awakening. So look at it. When you see this happening, look at it and understand it and realize that this is one more step on the way to awakening. It's not a slog. You're not beating anything up. You're not drowning anything in wrapped up. <laughs> You're just finding out that persevering effort works and it leads to no. When one whose persevering effort arises, <clears throat> joyful engagement with the Dharma arises. So it's not just that your, your practice becomes less difficult, that the effort you bring in there becomes easier. The engagement with the Dharma gets a joyful quality. It becomes pleasurable. You actually like doing it. It's, you, know, you see that the, um, <clears throat> you see the results. You feel your, your increasing calm. You realize how just being in the world and being in your mind becomes less stressful. So at this point, being fully engaged with the Dharma 
your meditation. Coming to class. Reading. Becomes a pleasurable activity. Why would you not do it? When joyful engagement with the Dharma arises in one whose persistence is aroused, and joyful engagement with the Dharma as a factor for awakening becomes aroused, it's no longer hard. This is how joyful engagement with the Dharma is established as a factor of quality of awakening. When one is joyfully engaged with the Dharma, the body grows calm, the mind grows calm. When the body and the mind of a monk is joyfully engaged with the Dharma, then tranquility as a factor of awakening arises. A lot of the burden has now been put down. The body grows calm, the mind grows calm. The fetters come forward at this point. And tranquility arises. <clears throat> Another step on the way to <clears throat> deepening awakening. This is how tranquility is established as a factor of equality of awakening. When one is tranquil, the mind and body calm, the mind develops concentration. The body hasn't quite calmed down yet. <laughs> <clears throat> So in this tranquil mind, in this calm body, concentration arises, concentration goes much deeper. There are <clears throat> fewer and fewer distractions. Concentration becomes a steady, a steady factor. In your life, not just on your cushion, off your cushion. It's 24 7, probably in your sleep too. But I'm sleep, so I don't know. <laughs> when the mind of one who is tranquil and well concentrated, then concentration as a factor for awakening arises. This is how concentration is established as a factor of the quality of awakening. And John's words here, that struck me. Concentration, not personalizing through overemphasis and gross analysis of the impermanent phenomena 
is the purpose purpose of jhana meditation, or as he wants to know, is jhana meditation. It can clearly be seen here that the different experience experiences, ever changing qualities of mind that arise during meditation, are not in and of themselves subject for contemplation, examination, or analysis. It's the present quality of mind established in profound concentration that is the foundation for developing the hardwood of the Dhamma. <clears throat> the Buddha's words. When one whose concentration is established, equanimity arises. When equanimity arises, then equanimity as a factor for awakening arises. So we're already deep in the fourth jhana here. Equanimity arises. And it is one of the last factors for awakening. One of the deeper factors for awakening. This is how equanimity is established as a factor, as a quality for awakening. Furthermore, one remains mindful of the quality of mind in reference to the Four Noble Truths. Furthermore, all the time. As deep as you can go. Quality of mind should always reflect the four noble truth. Our mindfulness should always be on the four noble truth. But that is the foundation, and that is the guidance, and that will keep your practice correctly focused. Remain mindful of knowing that this is stress. Understanding your book. This is the origination of stress. Craving originates and clean maintains the good. Second of truth. This is the cessation of stress. This experiencing of equanimity. That results from the cessation of craving and clinging. Third noble truth. And this is the eightfold path leading to the cessation of stress. These are the things that our mindfulness should always be focused on. In this way, the Buddha says, one remains mindful of the quality of mind, free of distraction internally and externally. One remains mindful of the phenomenon of the origination of qualities of mind and their arising and passing away. There is knowledge of the maintenance of qualities of mind and their recollection, independent of and not clinging to anything in the world. This is how one remains mindful of the seven factors of awakening in and of themselves. 
And this is an echo of the Four Noble Truths again. <clears throat> In John's words here. Notice how this last also relates directly to the Buddha's description of his awakening in the Nagara Sutta. Where he says many times, in my appropriate mindfulness, I saw these things. I came to the direct knowledge of fabrications, the direct knowledge of origination of fabrications, the direct knowledge of the cessation of fabrications and the direct knowledge of, eight, of the Eightfold Path leading to the cessation of applications. The Buddha's words again. When one is mindful of the arising, the passing away of all internal and external phenomena in the mind, outside the mind, in the world. Their mind and body united, their quality of mind established in concentration and equanimity. The development of the four foundations of mindfulness brings the seven factors of awakening to culmination. Starting with the breath in the body and ending with mindfulness, quality of mind. This is how the four foundations of mindfulness are appropriately developed so as to bring the seven factors of awakening to their useful culmination. Useful. I guess I'm up, huh? What? Um, so before I begin, I um, just want to say just a few things, and I've yet, I think we've done 13, 16, 18 retreats, and I've never made it to run without crying, so here, here it goes. Um, the first thing we have to do is uh, acknowledge uh, our co-founder, Matt. Um, 
his counsel is invaluable to all of us. But as a practical matter, Matt has afforded us this room for over 10 years. So literally, we wouldn't have a song if it wasn't for Matt. You know. So thank you. I mean, we can't thank Matt enough. And here comes the tears. I'm holding them back. <laughs> Practicing wise restraint. Um, and then to all of you, um, all of you just, you, you make my life so fulfilling, each and every one of you. Um, and, and the saga members that aren't here, um, I choose my associations wisely. I've learned that through the Dhamma, and I'm so glad to associate with each and every one of you. And I do that a lot. You're, all of you are in my head and in my heart in a good way, uh, always. And all of you online, the same thing. You know, there's, there's this great technology um, as we learn in the book, Stolen Focus, please everybody read it. Um, but technology affords us this great opportunity. Um, you know, I never would have met you. We never would have been able to teach people uh, in North Dakota or Ohio or the UK and other places. Um, so we're very fortunate to know how to use this wisely. Um, and and I'm, I'm so glad to be in your sangha. Um, the last thing, um, I think it was a week ago, I invited Ram over to my house in Palmer Bridge Schools. Uh, and ostensibly he was going to fix one of my mobility scooters. The throttle came off and he repaired that in about eight seconds. And then I reminded <laughs> Rob that the other mobility scooter wasn't working quite well. So he fixed that. And then I reminded him that the brakes on my walker weren't working well, so he fixed that. And then I, re then I pointed out to him that uh, I could use a, uh, a ramp fix and he took care of that. So Ram is a guy that kind of fixes things, I guess you could call him or accuse him of that. And it was also his birthday Aww. last week. <laughs> he hasn't taken his last breath yet. <laughs> so um, I wrapped this myself. You got to show it to people because this is Ram. Happy birthday and thank you. <laughs> Uh, you got to show the folks online as well. Aww. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, oh, and I, I know names. <laughs> I love it. Oh my gosh. That's great. Yeah. That's awesome. <laughs> Corey, when you, yeah, when you see this, you got to think around. Yeah. Everybody see it? <laughs> yeah, I know. <laughs> no, that's what I Thank do. you, uh, Wear it proudly so, in your home. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I'll scare my wife. Too. Right. <laughs> and your children. Uh, she can wear it everywhere. She relies on the eye not quite always get the eye. No stuff. <laughs> <laughs> um, so uh, it, it's, it, to, to sit here after those uh, five, six, present, six presentations by just wonderful teachers. It, it, again, I'm, I use the word astonishing a lot, I guess, but I, I mean it. I don't, I'm not trying to overuse it. What has developed here? We can have a retreat with six teachers teaching as well as you all did. Um, and I got to acknowledge uh, Kevin Hart, too. I thank you for joining every session, Kevin. Um, and your shares have been invaluable as well. I'm glad to have uh, our other Dhamma teacher uh, able to join us, Tom. Uh, it, it really is astonishing what comes out of here. Like the Buddha started this sutta by saying, 
This group of monks is rare in the world. This group of householders, the way we practice, is rare in the world. And we're so fortunate, I'm so fortunate, to have come across the Dhamma. I know I'm the guy that kind of, did, well, kind of, I restored the Dhamma. Um, I've never thought of myself as an extraordinary human being. I think I'm the most ordinary human being I could think of. But yet somehow I had a mind that, that could understand what this guy was teaching 2,600 years ago. And for that, I'm so fortunate. But that wouldn't occur for me if I didn't stop drinking and taking drugs when I was 26 years old, because nothing happens when you have that kind of distraction. Um, and now we have this. So we're coming to the, to the last little section of this. Um, and this just describes um, what occurs when the seven factors of awakening have been developed. This last section is known as clear knowing and release, Buddha's word. And how are the seven factors of awakening appropriately developed, right? There's a right way and a wrong way, so as to bring right understanding or right view and release from clinging to wrong or ignorant views to their culmination. Buddha continues, when one develops mindfulness in this manner, as we've just discussed here, as a factor for awakening, mindfulness is established on seclusion. It is established on dispassion. It is established on cessation. It's established on relinquishment of clinging to ignorant views. That meaning establishment means we've had the direct experience of how this works and our mindfulness is now established. And that's what we're all developing. And Ram was pointing that out that we are establishing mindfulness as the quality of our life. We get to be mindful of one breath after another. We get to be mindful of our life actually occurring. We're a reference point. The Buddha continues. They develop investigation of the Dhamma as a factor for awakening. They develop persistence as a factor for awakening. They develop joyful engagement. As a factor for awakening, they develop tranquility as a factor for awakening. They develop concentration as a factor for awakening, and they develop equanimity as a factor of awakening. Again, the repetition, but the Buddha is just, again, pointing out these, these uh, awakened, these arahants, and saying they did this. They developed these things. And if they developed it, if an ordinary human being can develop it, and again, the Buddha never helps himself out as anything other than the guy that figured it out. He called himself the Tathagata. That means that the first guy that did it, the first guy that went forward. Then he says these seven factors of awakening are dependent on seclusion. They're dependent on dispassion, the cessation of eye making, and dependent on that cessation, the cessation of selfing. These seven factors of awakening, when fully developed, results in relinquishment of all views rooted in ignorance of four noble truths. Then the Buddha says, this is how the seven factors for awakening are appropriately developed so as to bring right understanding or right view and release from clinging to ignorant views to their culmination. Again, a reminder, just keep doing this. Persist. This is what the Buddha said. Gratified. The monks were delighted in his word. I almost started crying at that <laughs> So I'd like to go online. Um, maybe, you know, we, we do this sometimes on Saturday. We do it every time, Saturday night when we're up at one. We, we go around, we have a little, a little party that night.
get a couple of kegs of beer or the wild. Uh, we'd have some really good chocolate. Um, but what, usually what we do is we go around and we talk about something um, unexpected that we learned or, or maybe an unexpected insight. And if that occurred to you, let's hear it, Deborah. <laughs> the Sarge kid, those Deborah is also known as the Sarge in some situations, so I know that she can handle it. Deborah, please. <laughs> okay, <laughs> something unexpected. Um, it's different listening in the background and seeing everybody. It's kind of rewarding to see uh, facial expressions and um, body language behavior uh, during the practice. Thank you, Deborah. How about that cutie pie next to you, Jeff? <laughs> Yeah, I, I think uh, I, I have been uh, surprised at how much uh, gratitude and affection I feel for you all. Oh, right back um, at you. I, I feel very close to everyone, much more so than I have before this, this particular weekend. And uh, for that, I'm, I'm very thankful and very grateful to you all. Thank you, Jeff. My friend Lucius, let me get a good look at you. You're looking good there, my friend. Thank you. Thank you. Uh, no, I, I'm, I'm really grateful to, to be able to be a part of this. You know, I, I had uh, attended the, the in-person retreat, I guess it was uh, close to a year ago at this point. And um, and then I had I kind of dropped off the face of the earth, uh, struggling with some mental health stuff, and uh, just started getting back in. And so, you know, coming to the retreat, uh, you know, I, I assumed everyone would have forgotten me, but no one did. So that's uh, that's that's it was great to to see everybody and to be welcomed back. And um, yeah, I just. I, I think about, you know, some people, several people have talked about, you know, go, coming to a retreat and then going back out into the world and, and trying to bring that, that teaching. And uh, one person that I had talked to about that similar thing once uh, had the analogy or gave the analogy of, you know, in India, they have these wonderful, beautiful cloth um, you know, saris or whatever, they, they just make these cloths that are beautiful and they start out white and they put them in the, the, the dye and they bring them out and they're not very, um, they're not very bright and they dry them out and then they put them back and they continue this process and each time it gets brighter and brighter and brighter. And so, you know, each time we come to a retreat and we go back out into the world, it's like that cloth that maybe not bright the first time, but then we put it back in and we come to another retreat and, you know, we continue, but eventually that, that cloth and, and our practice after a retreat will be extremely bright and beautiful. So. That's wonderful. Lisa. 
that there is re remembering you is just is called mindfulness of Lucius. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And you reminded me there's a suit that is Atu Pama Sutta yeah. I'm stained in pure yeah. cloth. Yeah, yeah. I was thinking about that. And, and maybe maybe that'll be the next one to teach you if you came up. Dr. Kevin. Hello again, everyone. Um yeah, I don't know if it's a surprise or what, um, but I'm just so thankful for the Dhamma. Um, it's been so many years now, and, uh, you know, I thought all I have to do is meditate and things will be cool. And I could tell there are benefits from it right away. But then, you know, six weeks into that, when I met John and I started to learn the Dhamma, then I realized that the, the true depth and meaning behind this and where meditation leads. And I'm just forever grateful for that. So thank you. Thank you, Kevin. Uh, Dhamma teacher, Kevin, thank you for joining us this weekend. Sure. Um, I think maybe a little bit of surprise was just the support of the Sangha. I mean, it's, it's always there, but just maybe a little more so since I wasn't there this time, it, it, I could really feel all of your, your efforts and, and your insights. Um, so that was neat to see that. Um, that was a really beautiful metaphor that you used there, Lucius. Um, that, that was really, really beautiful. Um, John, I think uh, I noticed something earlier. You're a little harsh on yourself because you are an exceptional person. You have an amazing heart. And, oh, I uh -oh. <laughs> oh, and for the Dhamma is, is, there aren't really many words for it. So I just wanted to stop you there and say, you know, at least all of us, you are an exceptional, exceptional person. And maybe we need to get you a fancy robe. <laughs> That's nice. <laughs> <laughs> But please don't. <laughs> I just had to say that. Thank you. Thank you. Uh, teacher Tom. Um, yeah. So, uh, I mean, I, I obviously I've only been able, unfortunately, to catch the tail end of the retreat. But you know, I guess for me, in terms of surprises, I'll go back a few weeks and. Um, you know, so I'm, I'm always listening to pretty much every talk um, via via the podcast. And um, I think it's the depth and the quality of teaching of the fellow teachers. Obviously, John, your teaching goes goes without saying, but um, I've really enjoyed listening to and talking to people. I connect regularly with Brian and, I, you know, we have chats and I, I find that incredibly helpful and encouraging on my path. Ram's talk a few weeks ago on dependent origination just blew my mind. And it really, and it really, it, it's just all of these things, they just keep crystallizing. And, and you just have these, you know, you're, I, I just feel so um, reassured to be on a clear path. And of course, occasionally I deviate from the path and I get confused and I forget, but, but, gradually you're sort of chiseling away at it and it's becoming more and more refined and you're stripping things um out you know away from your life or or all of the sort of 
the stuff that the distractions that are there um and again it wouldn't be possible without the sangha um it wouldn't be possible without all of the friendships i've made even though i've met most of you only once um but i, yeah, I do feel a real connection and a real deep friendships there and the teaching i just think has been brilliant um uh yeah and that really goes beyond um you know that that, that goes it's it, it it goes beyond just one person which i think is so so exciting also for the future of of the sangha so i'm extremely grateful for that and um yeah thanks thanks for having me and uh i look forward to, I'll, I'll definitely be there in june or july whenever the yeah for the for the in-person retreat i can't wait for that june 28th in july 3rd. june 28th I, there I, you go yeah, i'll, I'll be the, there yeah i get the But yet, I take something different out of it each time. And because uh, each one of us is growing and then receding and having troubles, and then, you know, just kind of arising and passing. So that's always astonishing that, that it's the same as the breath. And maybe not so surprising, but. Thank you. You use that word astonishing again. It's, it's astonishing to be present for this moment, isn't it? I mean, I say that often. But everything I ever wanted is right here, now. It's not <clears throat> what I lost yesterday or what I might get tomorrow. It's just a waste of life. But being here, whether it's a retreat with you wonderful people or it's doing something else, you know, arguing with an insurance company, part of life, you might as well be present for it and enjoy it. Thank you. Tom, I teach you, Brian. Thank you, John. Travels for leads. Thank you, Ron. <clears throat> um, it's, I guess, surprising to me to see my mind calming and just seeing this Dhamma blossom, and the, the petals and all the different aspects and facets of the Dhamma just, just starting to open up. Um, it's just truly special and to be here and sharing that with, with everybody and feeling the collective calm and the collective concentration. Um, it's special. I, I thank you and I thank all of you for that. Thank you. I just realized that I can see you. <laughs> I can. I couldn't see your faces in this, you know, in the front row. Now I, I can see you clearly. I can even see them that close. I just, I, I notice this occasionally. I keep getting these injections in my eyes. It's better. Okay. Nice. Wow. That's great. Yeah.
I'm just gonna drive down. Yelling at the curveball again, <laughs> trying to get <laughs> <measure>. Yeah. No. That <laughs> won't even let me get in the heat pipe, so I guess. <laughs> is it, um, John, is it possible to turn the camera? Oh, yeah, I'm sorry. <clears throat> That would be great. Thank you. I'll give you a look at theirs, David. Hey. And here's Thomas student Jane. Hi, Charles. First, I want to thank Ron for teaching me so good. I don't know, came to your voice or whatever. I hang on every word. Yeah. It's a trick. I appreciate that so much. Didn't really have any surprises, except I just love being here in person. I never thought I could feel so comfortable with this wonderful group. It really is. Yeah, you're a part of it. I never thought I'd like New Jersey, but here we are. <laughs> Beautiful. Yeah, it's not bad. Yeah. <laughs> uh, student Laura, where are you? Do I have you? Yeah. <laughs> thank you. <laughs> oh, thank you, John, uh, for sharing the, you know, retreat with all these teachers. Like, it's great to hear everybody's perspective. And um, thank you for providing us with this, these resources. Um, Ron, that was a wonderful teaching that you gave. Um, because you have a way of still reminding us how important it is to practice and the diligence and the persistence, but bring that curiosity into it. Like when you said, well, don't take it on blind faith or just don't study or feel that pressure to just study, 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 but really put it to the test. Like, okay, see what happens off your cushion when you put it to the test. See what happens. And the investigation is also just as much this internal investigation of you know the mind. So thank I you so much. So much work, you know. What's, yes. What's happening? Exactly. It's, but it's uh, yeah, you're you're a, an extraordinary student, uh, you know, uh, just in your ordinary life. <clears throat> and that was all driven by curiosity, you know, because if you didn't have curiosity, um, you know, you, you couldn't do what you're doing. Uh, you do <coughs> so, yeah, bring that same curiosity to the Dharma and, and um, you, you can't go wrong. Yeah, yeah this the, um, we offer the opportunity of the Dharma everyone and some of us avail ourselves of that but that's what it is it's an opportunity to awaken um, again we're fortunate because we have a, a, an actual physical place that we can hold a couple classes a week uh, and there is that opportunity it's always there doesn't mean that you, that you have to come twice a week um, it's just there and it, the our human life should be seen as an opportunity to awaken because what else is there? What else is there? Thank you, Laura. Let's get back to the old guy. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Happy birthday. Very dark. Happy birthday. <laughs> <laughs> That's a lot now. <laughs> <laughs>
Happy birthday to you. The thing that just struck me as I was sitting there talking was that, because I said in, in the very beginning, and Matt and I met in the, uh, at, at the Bridge Cafe for a quick shot of caffeine, um, about the tone of this retreat. It was just so good. And I realize now that um, that is just joyful engagement with the Dharma. <laughs> Everyone. Um, just beautiful. Right? And I thank everyone for being here and for supporting. And I was going to go next. What? I'm sorry. And I thank you, John, for starting this, keeping it going for the Iron Fist. <laughs> That's a good symbol. <laughs> you better meditate. So I'm going to skip Mary just for a second because Rob mentioned the tone, and that tone was obviously set set beautifully when Jen started. So mm -hmm. Really did. Mm -hmm. You set the tone for what follows. Yeah. How my teacher Jen. Hey everybody. Um, Surprising or unexpected? No, not really. Just very grateful that um, I have more practice to do. There's more to learn and not really learn, but experience yeah. in terms of the practice, um, which, you know, the teachers this weekend really pointed out. Uh, and that was, a, you know, such a relief as always on retreat. So thanks everybody. Thank you, Jen. Now I'm a teacher, Mary. Uh, you led such a, you taught such a wonderful class uh, yesterday afternoon. It's still ringing in my head. So thank you so much. You don't teach as often as the other teachers, but you are a teacher in the boundaries. Thank you. <laughs> thank you, John. Um, I forget when it was said in the uh, retreat, but the thing that's kind of staying with me is, um, you know, giving permission to yourself to um, lay your burden down. You know, the burden of the conditioned mind we've given ourselves and, and not with any blame, but very lovingly to be able to say to yourself, you know, Mary, lay your burden down. Like this is, this is, this is here for you to do that. And um, that's a big takeaway for me. Yeah. And um, as many of us, we're hard on ourselves. So we need permission to do that. And this gives us not only the permission, but the expectation and the way. So 
I mean, there's not enough gratitude in the world for all of that. So thank you. And thank you to everybody who made this such a special weekend. Thank you. Thank you, Mary. It just kind of reminded me of how until I came to the Dom, I really hated myself. I was never, ever good enough. And I, you know, I was, I led a fairly successful life, but I, I was just never good enough for myself. It's crazy, isn't it, to think that way? But we all do. You know, that's the burden of self. And I'm not good enough or bad enough anymore. I'm just here. It's just, this is what's occurring in my life. Every moment of it, I, I spend a lot of time in doctor's offices to keep this old bag of bones going. But even that, I enjoy it because I get to live another day. You know, I mean, at some point, I think I talked to Matt about this. At some point, maybe the burden that's just keeping going is going to be too much, but that's not here yet. You know, that's not here yet. And there's nothing, you know, I, I'm not building bridges across, I'm not doing anything spectacular except just living this moment. And each moment is freaking spectacular. Well, you did build a bridge across 2,600 years. That is solid one. John, can you turn the camera around, please? No, well, I'm going to get the mat and then I'll turn it. I'll turn it okay, back thank my, you. My beautiful face. <laughs> <laughs> Do I got a mat? Yeah, it is. Hello, my friend. Hey, everybody. Um, yeah, I, I, you know, every time we do one of these retreats, whether it's a residential retreat or it's a retreat here, everybody really shows up and shows up to to do the work of the Dhamma and to do the work that the Dhamma asks us to do. And um, I'm just grateful to to know you all and to sit here and do this with you year after year. It's, it's uh, it means a lot to me. So, John, Ron, thank you. Yeah. John, thank you. Wow, this really is rare in the world. You know, as it, as Matt was talking, I think we'll. Should we just do another retreat next weekend? As Matt was talking, you know, we do have, in essence, two retreats a week. We, you know, the, the, we, this weekend is a, a true refuge, but so are our classes. You know, they really should be seen that way as a refuge from from eye making you know, and an opportunity to diminish that. Again, we're, it's all of you. You know, I might be the guy that started it and lucky enough to meet Matt to keep it going. But there'd be nothing going on if it wasn't for all of you online and, and in this room. So uh, I say this at every retreat, and I really mean it. This, and I think you all agree when I say it, that this retreat would not be the same if one of you wasn't here. It would be completely different. And so thank you all for being here. Um, June 28th. The, the third is, to the third of July is our residential retreat, and our next one here is uh, October twentieth. Is our next. Before we go, might I say I something to David? Please. Uh, kind sir. <laughs> <laughs> Jeff and I have uh, agreed to your challenge about the hundred and eighteen hours. 
and we've decided <laughs> we've decided on the days or nights that there is not a sutta that we will spend time every evening after dinner with another sutta. Outstanding. <laughs> Outstanding. So I'm going to just read a little bit and then we'll close with the Karani Medicine. And this is just the last couple of paragraphs in our usual teaching on the hindrances. It's, it's good to hear this. Um, always avoid judging yourself or your practice harshly. Do the best you can and be gentle with yourself. Maintain a consistent jhana practice, J O H N A. <laughs> Maintain a, con a consistent jhana meditation practice within the framework of the Eightfold Path, and you will develop lasting peace and happiness. One last thing, joining a like-minded community of Dhamma practitioners greatly supports an individual practice. That's what we have here. Joining a community of Dhamma practitioners will provide a weekly structure, or in our case, a bi-weekly structure, to your practice. A qualified teacher will notice if you are losing direction or focus. And the community as a whole, we all have felt this, and the community as a whole will support you with their own insights. And you will, you will be able to support your song. And that creates a well-rounded practice when you can do that both. We'll finish with Meta as we almost always do. So take a moment to become mindful of your in-breath and your out-breath and let that mindfulness unite your mind and your body. And these are the Buddha's words on Metta from the Karani of Metasutra. This is what is done by one who is skilled in goodness and who knows the path of peace. Let them be able and upright, straightforward and gentle in speech, humble and not conceited, contented and easily satisfied unburdened with duties and frugal in their ways, peaceful and calm and wise and skillful, not proud or demanding in nature. Let them not do the slightest thing that the wise would later reprove. May all beings be at ease. Whatever living beings there may be, whether they are weak or strong, omitting none, the great or the mighty, medium, short or small, the seen and the unseen, those living near and far away, those born and to be born. May all beings be at ease. Let none deceive another or despise any being in any state. Let none through anger or ill will wish harm upon another. Even as a mother protects with her life her child, her only child, so with a boundless heart should one cherish all living beings radiating kindness over the entire world, spreading upwards to the skies and downwards to the depths, outwards and unbounded, freed from hatred and ill will. Whether standing or walking, seated or lying down, free from drowsiness, one should sustain this recollection. This is said to be the sublime abiding. By not holding to fixed views, the pure-hearted having clarity of vision and being freed from all sense desires is not born again into this world. Thank you all for an amazing weekend. Peace. Yeah. See you all soon. Thanks, everybody. Thank you. Thanks so much. Thank you for listening. I rely on donations to support the continued restoration, preservation, 
and presentation of the Buddha's Dhamma. If you find benefit here, please consider a donation at becoming-buddha.com. Thank you. Peace.